Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the China Shop. I am your host Kyle and joining me this week is the lovable lion-hearted Leo from Orderflow Labs. But before we dive into today's discussion, I'd just like to take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors and friends over at Manscaped, Trade Pro Academy, and of course, Orderflow Labs. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming with precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and with Manscaped getting into the world of beard care, now's the perfect time to take advantage of our exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code 2 at manscaped.com. As always, that is the number two. And when it comes to institutional quality trading education, look no further than TradeProAcademy.com. In our free Discord server, you'll find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. And for all you degenerates who enjoy trading futures, you'll definitely want to check out the custom tools and studies over at Orderflow Labs. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, you can learn more about today's guest by following Leo on Twitter at ES underscore F underscore Leo, or by checking out that aforementioned OrderflowLabs.com. Leo also recently published his trading playbook. I highly recommend everyone checking it out. Uh, and lastly, uh, reach out with your suggestions, corrections, questions for future guests. You can do that via email at tubals at financialindeptitude.com, or you can join that many times mentioned free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. All of those links will be in the episode description. Now that we got all the promo shit out of the way, let's, uh, let's kick it over to, to Leo. How you doing today, bud? Hey man, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a while, huh? How are you? Yeah, it has been a while. I've been almost. Ah, it's tough to explain. Like we go through these cycles. I feel like when you're like first starting out of finding something that works, it breaks. We lose confidence in that in ourselves. We completely scrub it, start over from scratch, and then we keep doing that over and over and over again until we realize that uh, we don't necessarily have to throw everything away. We just need to look closer at the type of market conditions that we're at and see which ones work better in those conditions. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot of fits and starts to begin. Right. And then, you know, it's a lot of 
adjustment adjusting and sometimes overcorrection, right? You, a lot of that. Um, you overcorrect and then you realize that overcorrection later on. Um, and that, you know, that's kind of a process that you go through as a trader. Um, and I don't think that it's something that you can necessarily avoid. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there's a lot of resources out there that can help you, um, you know, find find some material to, you know, things to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, it, it still all comes down to who you are, who you want to be as a trader, the markets that you're trading and, you know, how much work you've done and understanding those two things, right? You are the market you trade. Cause that can be, um, you know, how you trade is totally different than how somebody else trades and, uh, can be, and the markets you trade could be totally different than markets that other people trade. That's very well said. I think that's one of the realizations that takes a lot of new traders a long time to learn too, is that there's no single one thing that's going to make you money. Anything really can make you money. Some people make money trading fucking horoscope shit, you know, fucking astrology investing. It's a real thing. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, you're like you said, uh, the risk management and and being able to actually follow the process that you put together. Right. Yep. So you recently published your trading playbook and I got to say, that's one of the most fantastic reads I think I've, I've had in a long time. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I'm not an author and I actually, I'm a terrible writer to be honest. Um, Really? I had some, I had some help. Oh, (laughs) um, I had some editing help, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you have, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I've got, all my thoughts on paper and, you know, constructed that for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just had this idea like, well, why don't I put it out there? You know, what's maybe it could help, you know, somebody else either spark some ideas or make somebody realize, Oh, like, you know, if I'm going to be serious or successful at this, like I've got a, you know, I need a playbook that, um, not dictates how I trade every day, but mm-hmm. is a guide. Like that's your North star. Um, and you know, it's not a, that's not a complete collection of everything I do in a day, but um, there's a lot of the concepts that I use and the, the preparation stuff that I definitely uh, use every single day. So that's, that's, I think what I was most surprised to see was the, it wasn't like a bunch of setups. Like I was expecting when you first uh, um, teased it, like this is right. like legit, like this is how you prepare. This is how your mentality is handled. This is how you scale in and out of positions. This is how you look at higher time frames, And like, it, it's very well done, very well, all encompassing. It's not just uh, specifically setups. It's, it's all of it. Right. Well, I appreciate that. Very kind. How long did it take you to put that together? Um, I would say over the years, it's just been, it's like a collection um, I probably spent about two months, um, you know, formalizing it once mm-hmm. I had the idea that I was going to put it out there because, you know, when you put something out on the internet, you know, everybody can read it and criticize you and whatever. And, you know, my own, like my own stuff that I have, um, well, I don't really care if the, something is wrong sentence or right. <laughs> you know, is, is technically worded correctly or whatever. Um, so just going through that process took a, you know, like a month or two. 
I love some of the like the style of yours that's in there too. Like uh, the the very first um, sentence in there, it starts out with, uh, uh, let's see, let me. Do you mind if I read the quote? Go for it. All right. Preparing for the session to come is a critical component of our trading success. If we have no plan or routine that we go through each morning and we expect to win in the most competitive environment known, then we should take our money and light it on fire because it'd be faster and take up less time. <laughs> I mean, I'm all Such about efficiency. <laughs> Such a great sentence. <laughs> all about efficiency. It's so true, though. You know, it's like, um, you know, with, with my involvement with Orderflow Labs, you know, we, we see... Um, you know, some traders, you know, kind of come through the, the, the revolving door sometimes. And, um, you know, I think that the one thing that people don't necessarily realize when they want to get, um, into the business of trading is that it requires a a significant amount of effort Mm -hmm. and dedication to it. And it's not just like, Hey, you can come, you know, sign up for Waterfall Labs and our tools are going to turn you into a profitable trader. You still have to understand general market mechanics, auction market theory, um, you know, general concepts with order flow or support and resistance or whatever style you're going to use to trade. Um, you still need to have an awareness of how these markets work, right? Right. And, um, you know, you're, you are competing against the top, the elite of the elite. In, in the entire world, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just like, you're not just trading against, you know, people in Chicago. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. What's the success rate of, of people who actively trade? Um, I mean, I mean, I think the, the, the number that's randomly thrown around is 95% of, uh, traders fail. Um, but I don't know that I've ever seen like a legitimate scientific document that, or like a study that actually has the data. Yeah. I think um, the, I know that the CME has some statistics, hmm. um, that, you know, basically indicate like after the 18 month period, if you're still around trading, you still have a trading account, you're likely to at least survive for, you know, the next three to four years after that. Oh, really? Um, so I guess the fall off is pretty significant in the first six <laughs> to 18 months. And that's the the critical period where you're figuring out, like you said, the, just how much actual work and effort is going to be involved. Well, and that's the thing is like, that's the great surprise, you know, mm-hmm. is you have this idea that you're going to trade, um, you know, futures markets or the stock market. And you think, oh, well, you know, like it can't be that hard, right? Um, yeah. Come and trade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, just, to some people that shock of, you know, how much dedication and work you have to put into it to succeed is probably one, one of the things that causes people to leave. Cause it's like, Oh, I wasn't prepared to, you know, make the sacrifices necessary, um, mm-hmm. to be successful. I think one of the things that surprised me most, uh, when I started my journey, like looking back on it is how much self-improvement I had to do. Like I did not understand even though I had people like experts like yourself telling us, you know, from the start that, Hey, this is a lot of this is mental. Like you have to understand your own psychology. Like even then still not didn't understand like how important that really was going to end up being. Yeah. I mean, you have to fight with yourself a lot and you have to work through every negative de- aspect of yourself. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> like, there's, and that's just the true, I mean, the true nature of it is, is that, you know, yes, you need to have a, um, you know, a profitable system that has um, edge, but you also need to be, you know, I think that edge also can be um, found in a positive mental attitude and, you know, making sure that you're, you know, trading well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the biggest components of being successful is, you know, having the right mindset and, um, you know, not getting totally unwound when you have a bad day or, you know, not letting your bias shape your entire trading session when mm. everything else is telling you that your bias is completely wrong. <laughs> one of the um, things that and I, I think- even, oh, go ahead. I still, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but yeah, go ahead. I, I was just saying like what, that's still something that I, you know, have run into to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I posted on Twitter about it, you know, the other day that I had a rough day. I didn't let my bias go. And in spite of all the information, you know, like against right. what my bias was and I, you know, suffered a, a loss uh, for that day. Um, but you know, it happens. And I think the, your response to that, not only in the moment, but afterwards is key. Mm, yes. Uh, actually, I think one of the things I finally started implementing after a conversation with, I think it was Rich Friesen was I like to have, uh, like I can have a bias, but I need to have like written down criteria of when I will acknowledge that that bias is incorrect. Right. Whether it be a level that breaks or, you know, volume comes in and pushes above this zone and accepts then, okay, the bias is over. I was wrong. Yeah. Like for some reason, just writing it down seems to really help keep you from getting like focused in and, and justifying, you know, reasons to keep trying to short a, you know, market that just wants to keep continually rip your head off. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have something, something to get you that keeps you in check, get you out of yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the best thing to do when you're not like, when you're not trading your a game mm-hmm. is to just walk, you know, just shut it down for the day. It's such a hard thing to do though, isn't it? Yeah. But you know what? The most beneficial, um, like the most growth that I've had as a trader in the last year has been absolutely not trading at certain mm-hmm. times. Like, so for example, I stopped trading Globex about two years ago and, um, you know, I, I, I love trading and I love to talk shop. And so like not being involved, you know, during Globex time was hard. I mean, it sounds kind of weird to say mm-hmm. that, but it was like, no, I wanted to be, you know, aware of what's going on, like getting into, getting into some trades, you know, whatever. And, um, once I got, I got over that, like it was easy, you know, like after a period of time, it's like, no, I just, I just don't trade right. that anymore. Right. And then as I continued to grow, I realized, okay, well, you know, like mid afternoon and really pretty much the rest of the afternoon after the morning session, <laughs> I, I'm not that profitable. Uh-huh, right. Yeah. And, you know, used to, I'd just fight through it and continue to trade anyway. And usually that just, either you give up some gains from the morning or you just, you end up break even in the afternoon, but you end up, you know, costing yourself more commission. Right. Um, So one of the things that I've been working on is just, you know, being, having that, um, 
you know, a couple of good trades in the morning, uh, hopefully, and, you know, being finished and then working on something else. That's yes. And not, not even looking at the, chart, that's the, you know? the key. I think is you got to have something else you can do to fill that time. Cause otherwise you feel, it seems like you always feel like you're m- missing out on the opportunity to make money when your job is trading. Right. Right. So like if you take a day off, then it feels like you're missing a day. Like you're not, yeah. you're not taking advantage of something. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, that's part of the new trader journey is realizing mm-hmm. that, you know, there's, like, yes, there may be opportunity in the afternoon or in Globex, but it's not for you. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's what I figured out, you know. Like, yeah, there's the market is trading and the, it is, you know, the prices are moving, but it's not my uh, A plus. It's not the environment that I want to trade in or that I'm great at trading. And so there's, there's nothing wrong with, stay, you know, stepping aside. For me, that's like big news events now. I don't trade those at all. I wait at least, you know, let everything start to settle out and the volatility die out before I try to make any trades. Yeah, I think Joe was saying, famous for saying something like nobody's career was ever made, you know, trading news events. <laughs> yeah, there's so few of them. Like, it seems like a silly thing to specialize in. I think I'd rather be better at the every other day of the week. I know a lot of people that trade news specifically. Um you know, just because there's so much volatility, but yeah, Mm -hmm. for, I mean, I don't know. I had a poor experience, um, a long time ago where I got stuck in a position because of a volatile velocity, volatility event. Yeah. And, um, ever since then, I just, I don't really trade it at all. (laughs) Uh, well, like it blew through your stop and didn't execute or. Yeah. So there's this process, um, when the market, trades um at a certain velocity mm-hmm. that um it's called velocity logic and what happens is when velocity logic kicks in it basically um kills all of the limit orders on the book and oh. the market goes back to that um it goes to a free state kind of and you'll see you know like if you've ever watched the globex open right you'll have a period right before the open, like pre-open state where they're matching up like the bid and offer uh, for that open. Mm-hmm. And that's what will happen after that velocity logic is kicked in. So if the market moves, um, there's a, a link on the CME. I'm sure we can, I can send it to you that describes it, but essentially if price has moved a, a certain velocity over a certain period of time, like extremely fast, um, you know, that all the market orders, all the bids and offers will get killed off the order book. So that all the limit orders will get canceled, including stops. Huh. And um, it would go into a pre-open state and that pre-open state, you know, they're matching up, you know, bid and offer. And once they get the bid and offer matched up, then the market, you know, basically opens back up like trading resumes. So it's kind of like, it's not a, it's not a halt. Like it's, it's not a 15 minute halt. It's like a mini halt, I would say. Right. Um, and so, but that explains why everything stops moving sometimes during some of those big events. Right. It's happened more and more um, recently. And one of one time I got, I was in a position, I got stuck in it and my stop should have gotten me out of the position, but because they remove all the limit orders out, um, my stop was removed. And I didn't know this, but during that time, you cannot place a market order. Um and oh. I was trying to flatten my position and, you know, I would just kept getting a rejected order. Oh, that's going to be 
terrifying. Yeah. So uh, lesson learned um, on that. <laughs> but, you know, really the the bigger, the bigger thing for me was, all right, like, is it really worth, you know, the the risk of all of that stuff going down? And it's like, no, it's not. So I feel like that's something that I probably should have been aware of uh, maybe years ago. <laughs> <laughs> this velocity logic <laughs> it's not like it's not widely known um but it, it definitely can happen i think it's more um more likely to happen in pre-market trading in globex mm-hmm. um you know because during rth there is so much more uh, liquidity on the book um but i think i actually saw it happen at one of the last fomc releases i think it was the fomc or it might have been the cpi just before that fomc yeah but either way yeah it's just not for me yep yep <laughs> uh one of the things that you've been a big um proponent of is is the confidence aspect of yourself like i've seen you work with a lot of traders on the ofl discord with helping them like build that confidence and there's another quote from your your trading journal that i like here and that's uh, we think of ourselves as warriors. Act like it. Do not speak poorly of yourselves. We see areas for improvement. We discuss them with our team and we look, we work to improve those areas. Every negative word and thought permeates your brain and influences you. Speak about corrective behavior in a positive manner. That really spoke to me because I'd recently become aware of just how negative my thoughts were when I was in positions, um, when I started taking journaling like a lot more seriously. Uh-huh. Like before, like I didn't understand like really what I was trying to journal. I thought, oh, entered here, exited here. I thought this level looked nice. Uh, But I started putting a lot more context into that. Like I I started tracking my thoughts while I'm in a trade. Did I like this trade when I took it? Did I not like it? Why? One of the things that I found that helped shift me from that was I found that I was just focused so much on the P&L that that's where my emotional state was coming from. Anytime it was going my way, I was riding high. Anytime it was going against me, I was the worst trader in the world. Right. Shifting away from that into a process-based approach where I only care now about executing the way I said I was going to do. Right. Uh, I think that's really helped shift that for me. I was curious uh, what you've done to, to combat that if you ever had to deal with it. I mean, it's pretty similar. Um, like it's natural to be happy about profitable trades and it's natural Mm -hmm. to be disappointed about losing trades. Right. Yeah. And like, that's a normal, that's a normal thing, you know? Yeah. And I think you have to realize that, well, this is a normal emotion or like it's, it's a normal tendency for me to be happy about good and, and um, happy about profitable trades and, upset about trades that didn't work. And I think that what you said is key is that if you remove out the fact that um, the trade worked or didn't work and focus Mm -hmm. more on, okay, the trade that you did take, how did you execute that trade? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're long, you know, how well did you position for that? um, You know, for that price you wanted to be long at, are you entering at the top of the wick or, are you entering at the um, near the low of the wick where you want to be? Are you buying um, rebids against you know structure or like whatever that process that you have? Um, are you following that process? And mm-hmm. like that is way more powerful than you know 
it was a bad trade because I lost money. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't realize that the win rates are going to be, there's going to be losers on trades that look good. That's For just sure. the nature of the game. It's right. still statistics driven. Right. And, you know, when you get down to that level and you start to, you know, like map out your executions, like, so I'll look at my day's execution and, you know, start to pull, like you can start to pull, um, you know, like tendencies out of that. Like if you're looking at it every single day, you can go, okay, well, like I'm picking the right spots to get into a trade. I'm not letting them work. You know, I'm, I'm cutting them too early and, um, you know, like excellent trade, right. Got in executed well, um, from an entry standpoint, but I didn't manage it well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how can I improve my trade management? If I know that I'm entering at the right areas, um, but I'm exiting way too early, then you can start to think about, okay, well, I need to stretch out the, um, the, the, my first tech profit or my second tech profit or, or you know, mm-hmm. have more of a rules-based approach on, you know, when I close the trade or um, things like that. So when you do that more and more and you just focus on the process and not the specific outcome, then you can pick up on some of those tendencies and go, okay, well, um, you know, I'm sticking to my process and I'm working through that. But also as you go through that day in and day out, then you'll start to pick up on, okay, well, I have this tendency that I've noticed, or, you know, lately I'm not executing the way that, you know, have been over the last three months. And then you can analyze and try to break down uh, what's happening there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've been trying to do too is um, like, I try to make notes of like when I would flatten when I get scared, but I keep everything based on a two to one risk reward at this point. Uh, The goal is to determine whether or not, you know, my, tendencies would actually improve or not and until they actually show that there'd be an improvement then i i don't act on any of that right now gotcha that's great yeah well that was one of the things that really came away that i came away with when we started the back to the futures uh mini series uh i was cutting winners way too soon and taking full stops and that was really skewing my my um profit factor right i had a decent win rate but i had a profit factor that didn't align with that. Right. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to uh, kind of get your opinions on or your thoughts on, I saw a lot of discussion about adding into winners. And that's something that I have always struggled with and that I know that I need to work on to start incorporating. But when it, when I get a good position, I'm always afraid to add to it. And I don't know why. Like, how do you how do you manage that? Like when you're managing a trade and you're looking to add and take off and keep, like you keep a, a, a particular core position, right? And then you're just kind of constantly adding and subtracting from it as the day goes on. Is that, does that sound about right? Um, it kind of depends on the trade setup. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm in a trade setup that I think has legs to run, mm-hmm. um, then I will definitely add, and pull off and add and pull off. Um, if possible. Um, but there are times where it doesn't necessarily make sense to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the trade, you know, setup doesn't have like, you know, there's some trades that I'll take that, um, you know, just don't have like a super, super long or like a great target. Like for the, mm, okay, uh, you know, if I said, Hey, this trade expectancy, you know, I think maybe, 
you know, 30 points, but it's still worth taking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I may take that just as a scalp, but for some of the better setup trades, yes, I will get into the trade, put a feeler on, and then, you know, as, as, as I mentioned in the, the trading playbook, you know, have a zone or an area that, you know, I'm kind of observing as I have that initial kind of feeler trade and then want to be, you know, more or less full size or get into a full size position in that area. And then obviously there's that spot of, you know, this trade idea is no longer valid where I just completely stop myself out um, or reduce risk and, and then stop out. So why, what is the feeler? What's the benefit of the feeler before? Like, how does that change your, your thought process or how does that make you understand the trade better? Well, um, I've noticed that when I'm in a trade, I'm more engaged. Ah, okay. And so um, if I'm already, the way I look at it is I have, um, you know, a couple, you know, setups or areas that I'm interested in, whether that's based upon um, order flow lab tools or um, support and resistance or, you know, just gen- market generated information, right? There's all kinds of um, ways you can derive, you know, an area that you, that you have interest in. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that, um, you know, if I'm going to be in that trade, um, yeah, I might as well put a piece of that trade on regardless of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Now caveat there is I can't say regardless of what's happening because <laughs> we're just selling off. Yeah, you know, right. I'm looking for a long, yeah, you know, I may give myself a, a few minutes to, to like see what's happening. But for the most part, and when, you know, normal market conditions, um, you know, on a standard day, you know, if I'm, if I have an area that I'm interested in, I'm going to go ahead and put a feeler trade out there. Mm-hmm. And that's going to one, start to establish my position. And then two, um, you know, I'm significantly more engaged when I'm actively in a trade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's probably true for a lot of people because when you're not, when you don't have any risk on the line, um, you know, you're not, you don't necessarily need to be aware, uh, you know, fully aware and present, uh, you know, of what's going on at, at the current moment. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen. And I'm pleased to announce that she's back fresh off a of rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think for me, my issue is when I get into a trade, then I start getting biased into wanting to look for the information that supports it. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we all, <laughs> we all struggle with that. Um, You're right. But, you know, you have to be uh, objective, um, you know, and just observing. So getting that initial trade position on, then you're just observing, right? So you're mm-hmm. more engaged and you, know, you have some uh, position on at a predefined area that you were already looking at. And so now you're looking for that activity um, objectively, hopefully. <laughs> and, you know, you're um, when you see the, you know, if you're long and you see buying really hit the tape, you know, at that spot, then maybe you add to that trade. And then as price starts to move away from your entry, um, you know, maybe that's a, uh, an indication that you should add to that position because you've got into the position, you've seen some buying, you've hit that, and then you now have price moving in your favor. And so now you're thinking, okay, well, this is, you know, I've got into the trade, I sell some activity that confirmed that, you know, so I added to that and now price is starting to go um, in that direction. And so now, you know, kind of thinking, hey, this is a really good trade. And so I want to add to that position um, so that I can get the maximum, you know, I realize the maximum potential of it. Right. Um, And then the more uh, that element of, you know, let's say you have six lots on and you're going to add another four um, once price starts moving. And I think the challenge there is, you know, well, when, how far from your entry right. and price starts moving, do you add, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then the other aspect of it is, okay, well, if I add to my position, you know, my average price obviously gets worse, right? Yep. Um, and so I think that aspect of it is just a fear-based thing mm-hmm. um, because you're thinking, okay, well, I have a great entry and price is way above my entry, Um and I don't want to add to it because that requires more mental capital, right? Yeah. Because now I've, you know, if I'm long and I just brought my price up another 10 points or five points or whatever, then, you know, now I have to pay, still pay more attention versus if I just sit in my initial trade, you know, I can kind of relax. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything. And, you know, I think that in itself is a bit of a lazy approach. <laughs> like if you have a really good trade, you should really maximize that that as much as you possibly can. And it's it's a very difficult thing to learn. Yes. Um, because of that element of, well, if I add my price gets worse, and then you know, if the market comes back, then what do I do if it's testing my area or my entry now? Whereas if I didn't add, I don't have to worry about, you know, the those small pullbacks or, you know, kind of market gyrations as much mm-hmm. um and really i think it just comes down to you know you have to make a concerted effort to you know once you're down to you have a routine you have a, a process that you've stuck you're sticking to you know the next the next skill step up as far as trade management goes is adding to that position and really pressing um that position when you know it's working right um and being afraid that your um, your price gets worse as you add to it, and what do you do when the market comes, you know, 
back to your entry um, sometimes. That's not necessarily um, uh, an easy thing to do, but over time, you know, it's just like an exercise, right? You build up the routine enough, you'll get more and more comfortable with it. That sounds like something too that really benefit from the review process. Absolutely. Yeah. When I'm analyzing my trades and looking to see how much more runway they had from where I took my profits, I can also be looking at the pullback points and look and see where those pullbacks are coming to. Maybe replaying yeah. the DOM to see what kind of activity showed up at those pullbacks and how it looks different right. when it actually reverses on you. Yeah, and there's a difference between, um, say, a momentum add where you're adding to your trade um, for momentum because, you know, let's say you're long and, you know, price starts to go and you're thinking, okay, well, momentum's really picking up, so I'm going to add to that trade immediately. Mm -hmm. um, versus there's that momentum add that is a skill in itself, and then there's the, the add on a pullback, right? right? And, you know, that's probably something a little bit easier to uh incorporate because you know if you're if you're a long bias or you have a, a position that's working from a long standpoint um you know you you want to be buying those pullbacks uh, because those are, those are additional opportunities uh, for you to you know stay engaged to that long trade as long as the thesis is still intact um so adding to winning positions on those pullbacks mm -hmm. is definitely a lot easier um, to start with, um, but what I would say later on as you get more developed is that the real like force multiplier uh, from a profitability standpoint is when you're adding um, you know good size to a momentum based move mm. you know because you're not every trade offers a pullback opportunity right <laughs> yeah and yeah. when you have the when you have momentum at your back and you can't really lean into that, um, you can maximize the the fullest amount of that opportunity. Oh, it sounds like I got my next three or four weeks planned out back testing <laughs> some ideas. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the, I, I, I definitely struggled with the idea of trying to add uh, because it, it shifts, like you said, where you're, basically where your core position price comes. And then I don't know how to handle that when it comes to like stops, but I've never put a plan together for it. So how can I expect to, you know, do anything if I don't actually try to plan it? Right. Uh, that's one of the things that I think has really kind of made itself clear. The longer I've been doing this is that you really have to have something planned out in order to engage with the markets. If you're just doing it on a whim, uh, one, you're not going to learn anything from it. And two, it's very rarely going to work out. And even if it did work out, you're not going to know what specifically about it worked out. And so you could do it again. Yeah. I mean, anything done on a whim more than likely is going <laughs> to just take your money. Right. Might as well light it on fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> Speed up the process. Exactly. Yes. I mean, you should absolutely, you know, uh, I don't think enough people, enough traders are sim trading. Um, you know, enough practicing mm -hmm. some of these things. Um, now there's certain elements to like, say if you want to get better at uh, adding to a position and, um, you know, really pressing on momentum or whatever that is, you should definitely start in SIM and figure out right. how that trade management process works. Because one, not all trading platforms are the same. 
Um, it's not super easy to add or subtract to positions on all trade platforms. So you have to figure that out one. Mm-hmm. And then two, you just have to get the mechanics down, right? Cause you right. want that, you want that process to be smooth. You know, it's kind of like a DJ working a DJ set, you know, when you watch them, on the, you know, they, they don't look at any of their instruments. They know it mm-hmm. like the back of their hand. Yeah. Like playing guitar. You shouldn't be looking at the fretboard. Right. Um, and you shouldn't be for trying to figure out how you add or subtract to your position. You should do that in Sim, <laughs> but you should also do that practice in live. Once you figured out the mechanics, because the other element to that is the, that mental game piece of it, you know, the fear-based, um, responses that you'll get when your price all of a sudden becomes worse. Sim is an amazing tool to prove concepts out, but it does not do much to help with your mentality. Like there's a major difference even between trading, you know, 10 ES lots in SIM versus one micro uh, when you're actually trading it and it means something. Absolutely. Can we, I want to shift over to DOM reading because I hear a lot of people talking about it. I know I dove into it trying to learn it at one point, but then I just ended up finding that I was staring at the DOM all day long and I can justify anything I wanted to. Uh, like how important is Dom reading to your trading and when should a newer trader look to start incorporating that into theirs? Is that something they should start out with immediately or is that something they should use to complement an existing setup? No, I think for new traders, the Dom should be something that you tackle later on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure all of the Dom order flow traders will come after me for saying that, but uh, the reality <laughs> is, is like you have to know what you're doing uh, in a market. You know, you have to know what support and resistance is. You have to know, um, you know, auction market theory. You have to be able to read a time and sales. You have to, you know, use your platform. You have to use, you know, how to use stops. Like all that basic stuff is overlooked, and that's the like when you're when you first learn to play basketball, you're you're, you're not like you know, taking threes and, you know, <laughs> running up to dunk right. um, dunk on the basket, right? Like you're going, learning how to dribble and yeah. all of that stuff. So, I mean, I would definitely not uh, recommend it for a new trader um, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, get all the fundamentals down. Um, you know, if you want to trade with order flow, sure, you will want to learn how to use a DOM or how to read a DOM. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at some point you'll you'll get to the to the time where you're ready for that um and as far as what it can offer you um i would say that for me it's very important it sits right at the center of my primary monitor and um it helps me do two things one is it helps me understand and have an awareness of the I would say, quote unquote, personality of the market for that session. Okay. And what I mean by that is you can see, um, you know, if the bid or offer is one uh, more aggressive than the other for any given session. Mm-hmm. And if it's one side is particularly, quote unquote, stubborn, um, you can pick that up and just knowing um you know the like the personality of how the market is trading is 
hugely beneficial. Mm-hmm. You can also pick up on speed and pace. Mm, and, yes. you know, as you're just hanging out during a session and, you know, this happens sometimes in the afternoons, um, you know, earlier I mentioned I don't trade the afternoon that much, but, you know, usually I'm, I have an awareness of, of what's going on, generally mm-hmm. speaking. And the DOM can help you pick up on a change in, um, in market activity. And what I mean by that is, all right, well, if, you know, yesterday, um, you know, the market was just grinding higher and grinding higher and, you know, every, every little pullback was bought, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was very slow and just kind of that grindy one way action. Well, if somebody starts slamming the tape and, um, you know, hitting the offer on the DOM, you can pick that up like very, very quickly. And when you're able to spot those like significant changes of market events, mm-hmm. um, you can capitalize on those in a significant way. And that would be, I'm sure I wrote about this in the playbook, but that's like that, you know, that's like that discretionary, you know, setup where it's like, if you were offered this opportunity a hundred times, you would take it a hundred times because right. it's so obvious. You know? <laughs> right. So right. it's like, it's so clear as day that something has changed, you know, like there's been a very significant change in behavior and pattern between the buyers and sellers. And, you know, one side was dominant all afternoon. Then all of a sudden, you know, it's like there's a flurry of selling and offers are, you know, stacked up and all of that good stuff. Bids are running away. Right. So yeah. like you can pick up on those, those little um, nuanced pieces of information that you can't see on a candlestick or necessarily a footprint chart. And that's just like, that's something that comes with time. Um, just staring, you know, just having it around and watching it. I mean, it sounds probably going to sound kind of dumb to say that, but I mean, it's true. You just have a, a more of awareness of, you know, how the market's trading for the session. So I, I, I've definitely come back to it. Um, I don't, execute off of it but i try to at this point now like when i see key areas that i'm flipping it on when i I don't have a position on or if i'm in a position that i don't need to do anything with at the moment right uh just so i can try to observe uh one of the things that i think is new traders struggle with is that they don't have any intention behind the things that they're when they're looking at charts Mm, right like it's just oh i'm i'm observing well what are you observing right and that's part of the thing that um, I think I had struggled with before with Dom reading is that I didn't have anything intentionally that I was looking at. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Like like now I have this week I've been putting down in my notes or my journal, like, okay, this time period, I want to go back and replay this day, this time period, because something changed here. And I want to see if I can see that. Yeah. I mean, there's the, uh, from an, the, the other aspect that I use the Dom for is obviously execution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to aid the execution process. And, you know, I would say I look for two or three things and, you know, one of them is absorption. Mm-hmm. And really that to me is probably one of the easiest things to pick up on because if you throw um, like a Delta by price volume profile next to a Dom, um, you can see absorption real time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if uh, 5,000 lots comes through at one level on ES, you know, likely there's an iceberg there or somebody, you know, absorbing, absorbing, right. you know, selling. Um, 
if you're able to see that real time and then at the same time you look at your time in sales and you see a bunch of um you know offers being lifted yeah you know aggressive buying come in after that absorption you know that's where execution element of using the dom comes into play Mm -hmm. so you're able to kind of map out okay well i'm seeing this absorption now i'm seeing aggressive buying activity and they're reloading the bid and you know that's that's how i um you know get into that trade it's 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 looking for keys uh when you get into a fight zone trying to see who's got the upper hand in that fight right right yeah yeah so you're looking for absorption and then um in addition to that looking for aggressive activity and what i would say like what does aggressive activity mean well one um you know offers if um Say you're looking for a short offer stacking and continuing to press. What I mean by that is, let's say we're trading, um, you know, and Q is trading like uh, twelve six fifty right now. Mm-hmm. So if we come up to six fifties and um, somebody sticks an offer, you know, twenty thirty lots, and they get filled and then they refresh, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's information that's telling me, you know, hey, there's somebody interested in selling here and they're being pretty aggressive about it because they're refreshing. Right. And they got big pockets too, because they keep reloading <laughs> it. Yeah. I mean, if they have 20 lots, they probably have more. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if I see that continual refreshing and then, you know, bids start to pull and they start to hit um, the bid side, mm-hmm. you know, they start to cross the spread on uh, and really sell the market you know, that's going to give me um, a little confidence to one, if I'm already in a position to go ahead and add to it um, or two, if I'm not in a position to go ahead and um, get, get that entry going. So it's really for me used for just awareness of how the market's trading. And then to, um, you know, that execution component of, you know, seeing spotting absorption real time and, um, you know, trying to figure out um, who's being aggressive. Mm-hmm. After that, after you're in a trade, um, you still want to pay a little bit of attention to have that market awareness that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the I think the more that you stare at a dom, like you said, you can make an argument <laughs> for both sides. Yeah. Um, so you really just want to use it for those key areas um, or those key spots that you want to get into a trade with. And then from there, you just manage your, you know, you manage the position, manage your risk and, you know, take profit where it makes sense, et cetera, et cetera. I don't um, make any, um, I don't necessarily make any take profit um, or, uh, you know, trade management positions just based off what I'm seeing on the DOM. Um, that's more, you know, looking at the volume profile, um, mm-hmm. you know, are there stuff that I have that, you know, kind of gives me uh targets i learned that lesson the hard way i don't know how many <laughs> positions i cut early because oh it's gonna sell off it sells off five points and then immediately rips their heads off right <laughs> no <laughs> yeah yeah you definitely want to be um using that uh sparingly especially as a newer trader because i can't imagine how it would fake anyone out mm. um you know, when, when you get into a trade, because, you know, there's like, it's a market, right? Like there's buyers and sellers. Um, there's ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it moves around (laughs) and 
you know, things change. Um, but you know, I think the benefit to using that is when you have that area and you get the, the entry and you see that absorption, mm-hmm. um, when you see that over and over and over, now you kind of, you get a better idea of what you're actually doing. It becomes almost subconscious, like muscle memory, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Right. Right. It's like riding a bike. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to, you know, do the math between every single bit and offer that's, you know, put on, um, you know, or taken off or whatever you start to pick up on those things naturally mm-hmm. without, you know, figuring out, you know, what side's heavier versus the other. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, before we wrap up, I'd like to just take a quick moment to, to hear about some of the new stuff you guys got going on over at Orderflow labs. Uh, I noticed that you guys have really started to embrace uh, more of the educational side. And I really loved seeing that. I love your guys' community, uh, the stuff that you do working with traders, and then the stuff that Job puts together, like the whole team over there. Is, it seems like you guys have really stepped up your game in the last six months to a year. Yeah, I mean, we have a schedule um, every week that we follow pretty regularly. So we have two dedicated Envoy sessions um, with, uh, several moderators, you know, that aren't necessarily, uh, OFL, um, but you know, they're, they have over the, the period of time gotten good feedback from our group. And so they come on and, you know, talk about what they're seeing for the day. So that happens twice a week. Mm-hmm. And then Job, um, goes through a pre-market, um, routine, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then a post-market um routine i think on wednesdays so midweek update basically after the close or in the afternoon any big plans for 2023 well i we teased this thing called autoplot and essentially it's a collection of studies that is going to automatically uh, plot and manage most things you would want as a trader um, so uh-huh. one would be RTH gaps automatically tracking that. And so if you open in a gap down, you're going to know it because you'll have a zone that tells you you're in a gap. And then as you trade into that gap, then, you know, that zone will shrink. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, so just automatically mapping out RTH gaps. Um, the other will be single prints. So for example, today, um, I didn't really realize the power of knowing some of this information until I started putting it on my execution chart. So for example, today in NQ, we had single prints that uh, posted right after, like right after the, um, the initial balance. Okay. And that is really key information because, you know, that's telling you there's a very strong participant in one side mm-hmm. and, you know, those have held up. And one of the rules that I personally have is I don't really fade, um, you know, I don't really trade in the opposite direction of a day when we have single prints. Yep. Um, but what I've noticed is that, you know, I didn't necessarily, like, I didn't always pay attention to a TPO chart mm-hmm. um, that would tell you that. And so I may miss out on, you know, in the immediate moment, as soon as we have that single print developing, you're like, you're going to know it immediately. Is, is that customizable as far as the time period you can set too? Um, so they're going to be set to 30 minute periods. Yep. Um, and you can set either RTH or Globex or both. Oh, nice. 
Um, so if you wanted to be able to know, um, like I'm my own or only set to RTH cause I don't trade Globex. Um, don't really care <laughs> that much about the Globex Some single prints, but it's available as an option. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the other would be poor highs and poor lows. So that's just equal, you know, 30 minute period that has the same high or low. Mm-hmm. Um, ours is adjustable so that you can make an allowance. Right. So like NQ rarely ever makes, you know, the same right. high to the tick. Yeah. So you can make it, you know, have an allowance of say it's the same high within eight ticks, then you know, you'll get a poor high. Almost like a tick compression. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the last is um automating balance areas. So, you know, we've just taken and said if volume if the value area is overlapping mm-hmm. um you know, any two days, right? So it takes two days to start a sequence. Um, and then as you continually overlap that value area as, as, so we're building out the value area as time goes on. Right. Uh. And, you know, so that balance area can't expand. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's cool is that, you know, when we were working on this, there was a specific pattern that um, kind of came up over and over and over. And it was this, you know, the market would look below the balance area and then come back. Right. So it's like that peak and fail yeah. sequence. Right. Right. And so we built that in to the um, study to basically ignore that peak and balance day so that you can clearly see um, your balance area that that peak below uh, that look below. And then that, right. you know, that failed the next day with the market opens back up inside of that value area. You can go, OK, well, you know, this is potentially a peak and fail. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe you get a strong response. So we actually had that this week. So I posted on Monday morning, you know, that we had a balance area um, that we're we've been trading in for twelve days now. But on Friday, I think it was Friday, we traded below it. But you know, Monday we opened it back above it, and I, you know, mentioned, hey, you know, the setup that I've seen on this over and over and over, um, just after working through this, is you know, obviously when you fail to uh, break down from a balance area, obviously you're going to go likely trade to the other side of it. Yep. Um, you know, and so far we've gotten, I don't know, 75% of the way there, but you know, who knows what, what happens next. But I mean, having that automated and follows the same process because, you know, we're not, we aren't perfect. Um, you know, we use some subjectivity sometimes when it comes yeah. to like drawing balance areas. Right. So this is just a automated way that goes, it does like the algorithm does the same process. It doesn't have any subjectivity to it. Right. And so I think that's key. And one thing that really the goal behind it was to, you know, take out that, that subjectivity on the balance areas, but also the other three things, you know, there's stuff that I want to be aware of. I just don't want to draw them. Right. It saves you a lot of time. <laughs> it saves you so much time. It's like yeah, finding single prints would be a pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you track single prints and, you know, RTH gaps right. while you're trying to trade at the same time, yep. you know? Um, and so we've just written code to kind of solve that problem um, so that it's, and they automatically go away when they're traded through. So it's like automatically managed. Um you know, by the, by the code. And yeah, so we, we named it auto plot. I like it. When's that coming out? 
Um, so for Sierra, it's going to be March 1st. And then for Motive, Wave, and Ninja, um, mid-March by no later than April 1st. That's awesome. Any other uh, stuff planned for the year? Um, well, we made an announcement about, you know, we have been running this order flow bot and, and discord, mm-hmm. uh, for ES. And I think the, uh, we're going to make some additions to that for other markets. Um, so we'll, we'll likely be doing one for CL and one for NQ. Oh, I thought that was a trade bot. I thought you were putting together an algorithm. I got really excited when I saw that. <laughs> No, so I mean, you know, we had a lot of people reach out and say, "Well, I don't really trade on Sierra or Motive or Ninja. Can you guys bring your stuff to TradingView or yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this or that?" And the answer obviously is like, you know, Thinkorswim doesn't support our needs. TradingView doesn't have all the data we need, but you know, we can confidently can say there's a ton of value that we have. Like you mentioned, the educational aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, being on voice um, on a scheduled basis, and then tons of pop-ups um, during the week. Um, you know, the pre-market planning from Job, and then Cap also is doing daily planning for ES. So there's a bunch of value in there, and people want wanted to be in that. And so we, in addition to that, we, um, you know, we have a an order flow bot, you know, that's um, generating, you know, bullish or bearish um, order flow events. Um, you know, the averages two to three times a day, and it, it's just designed to help you, um, not necessarily just take every trade. The the running joke in OFL right now, though, is that <laughs> right. you know, just don't fade the bot, but um, <laughs> it's, been, it's been doing pretty good. Sounds like it. You know, it's just a, it's a piece, it's an added piece of confluence with you know, if you already have a supportive resistance line at a spot, and we we print um, bearish or bullish order flow. Um, you have an opportunity to engage whether, you know, you want to take that. So it's kind of like having some of the studies, right. um, you know, available to you, just it's posted in discord. So right now it's only running on ES. So we're going to expand that. It's also, uh, speaking of the stuff you guys have been putting together, I think your YouTube channel is criminally underrated as well. There's a lot of great content on there that's available to the public. Uh, and then there's just even more stuff once you do become a member that you get access to because you guys record all the sessions that you do. Uh, there's a lot of spontaneous things that seem like they get recorded too. There's just so much good information there. Yeah, I mean, Job's pre-market planning sessions are always recorded and always uploaded to youtube Mm -hmm. which makes it cool because you know it's like you can come in and learn from an experienced trader on how he prepares for the um you know the market pre-market and because it's recorded you can play that back right right and you can go through every single day and go okay well you know as you start to go through you know, they're five minute sessions, maybe 10 minute sessions. So they're not incredibly long, but as you start to pick up on some of the nuances, you know, you can learn from that and develop, you know, your own, you know, pre-market plan. What's really cool is you can do your own pre-market. Then you can go back and watch the recording one and you can see, right. See what, how the similarities are. Yeah. Yeah. You can see like what he was looking at on the volume profile, um, and compare that with your notes and then you can go, okay, well, I didn't see that what he was looking at. Right. Um, yeah. So you can make tweaks and adjustments as well. 
All right. Well, I know you got a heart out, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, I'd love to chat for another hour, but uh, I know you got commitments. So that's going to bring us to the end of the episode today. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who stuck around to the end. And obviously, I'd like to say a heartfelt thanks to Leo the Lionhearted for joining me. Uh, if you'd like to know more about how Leo trades, you can find that trading playbook on OFL's website at orderflowlabs.com. And you can check us out at twobullsinachinashop.com. Be back in your ears soon with another exciting episode. But until then, tap that five-star rating like your creepy uncle and take care. Thanks, Kyle. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.